what's nice about a franchise model, it's the scalability, that structure. You can, you're buying into something that's known, and then it's almost like parallel to real estate. You can build something, you recreate, you know, you can work with one location, you hammer that in, and then you can work on the second, a third, a fourth. And then maybe, you know, there's some franchisees in the States that have 160 locations, you know? So so what's nice about Orange Sherry is they bring all the systems in place to manage your business uh, at a high level and find all the metrics you need without being in the studio from a day-to-day basis, you know exactly what's going on. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders, really excited to be bringing back Mark Langelier. He was on the 61st podcast that we did back in July 30th, 2019. And his business was enormously impacted by the pandemic. And I think it's just a really, really great story of perseverance, of commitment, of a vision for a bigger future. He's one of the most successful Orange Theory franchisees in the country. He owns uh, three of them. He took two over uh, during the pandemic uh, when others were walking away from their uh, studios and he saw an opportunity. We talk a little bit about Orange Theory and what makes it a pretty spectacular franchise and uh, and, and also workout uh, program. And uh, we again talk about, again, the lessons learned. Um, you know, Mark's, uh, Mark's in his early 30s and really, really uh, created an enormous success for himself over the last decade since uh, leaving Student Works, and just a a, a a really fantastic example of of what gets created in this program. And again, what we're up to here at the podcast is just sharing stories of amazing entrepreneurs or business leaders. And because we're looking for next year's group, we have a, over 120 people have signed on from this year's group to be leaders in 2024. We've been busy recruiting amazing young leaders. And we're looking for more as we're just really getting started in the uh, the recruitment process uh, heading into this fall. So if you know anybody, send them to studentworks.com so they can apply, share this podcast, or you can send an email to cthompson at studentworks.com so we can have someone set up a meeting with them. Thanks so much. Have a super fantastic day. So, Mark, welcome back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Super excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's always a pleasure connecting. I see you haven't aged a day. <laughs> well, well, thanks. I, it's fair, I guess, the you know, Zoom's, Zoom's doing well for me. But the one cool thing, we were already having some great discussions. So we said, hold on, let's, let's push record and let's get started. So one of the things that we were talking is, is Mark was the 61st guest or 61st podcast that I had. And we it went live July 30th, 2019. Okay, so this was, you know, six, eight months before the pandemic, or nine months before the pandemic. And that really shifted what happened in Mark's life. But why don't we start at the time you were at MH, which was a business of your father and his partner. Why don't you describe what had happened at MH and, and what had you choosing to exit that eventually? Yeah. So 
M&H, I mean, I had been there right after graduating from Carleton University in 2011. I started there after operating my student painting business for two or three years and then um, just embarked there as an employee in sales and, and had a bit of a transition plan with my dad where we tra uh, transitioned the clients over over a five-year period, transitioned parts of the business, all this stuff. And then from one day to another, you know, I think this was right around the podcast or in 2019, uh, if we fast forward eight years, my dad's partner had um, bought out my father. And so we were working in a bit of a transition plan there. Um, so it was a different dynamic working for my father in the, for, uh, I think, uh, from 2011 to 2016, and then versus working with his partner. I think I, I took out, um, you know, I, I think I'm a, a decent listener and I'm always eager to learn I think that's something that's that's helped me in my career path so far. So it was nice having a different my dad, obviously, I know him since since I was born, but having a, a different perspective from a business owner that, uh, you know, I'm not his son. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, he cares more about uh, the business than, than than me. Right. So uh, which is good. It's healthy. And and at the end of the day, any type of business, you always have tough decisions to make sometimes. And and if 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 your son or it's a family involved or friends, you know, it, it adds a different difficulty to the uh, to the decision making. Anyway, so learned a lot from Danielle. And then uh, if we fast forward to 2000. 19 that's when i mean things were going very well in the sense uh, mnh had lots of clients i was an account executive there partner as well um and orange theory i had been involved with them since 2018 in june we had opened my wife and i girlfriend at the time and we we uh we were the fastest growing studio in canada out of 120 in Griffintown. Why don't we hold on around Orange Theory and just complete with M&H? So just to share and catch up, because M&H is the leading or one of the leading advertising brands in Quebec, uh, produce high quality print and digital visu vi visuals. They built over 40 years. Now they're also in Toronto. Major clients like uh, L'Oreal Canada, Cirque du Soleil, Fido, National Bank of Canada, Aldo Group. So just a really, really big, big business. And so what did you learn from that, you know, seven or eight years that you spent in that business? Learned a bunch. I think that's a legitimate business where you have HR, finance. Lots of people think that, you know, advertising, it's a small little box, you know, maybe five to 10 to 12 people. Lot, lots of, you know, Quebec is, is highly developed in that industry because we have the French and the English. So lots, there's lots of agencies going uh, um, in in Quebec, there's lots in Toronto as well, but but lots of the main accounts, like the ones you name there, um, are in Quebec. I think what I learned the most is probably the developing the si sales size side of things on the business to business side, because that's very different from the business to consumer, which we had learned to, in painting. You know, calling up leads, warm leads, or cold calling, or all that stuff. B2B is very different. Everybody has uh, a supplier. They uh, they already have, like advertising is getting done every day. So you talk to L'Oreal, they have, you know, you're talking to their marketing department. They're like, we don't have time for you. And we have our, you know, we have our supplier, uh, you know, 
the time that you and you keep on them, you keep on them, you go to events, you try to link up. You, you it's almost a <laughs> uh, apology for the term, but almost a sketchy way that you, you almost have to stalk these people and 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 find a way to connect with them that they want to give you a chance, you know. And then you'll finally get your shot, and it's either because the current supplier can't deliver, or they're too expensive, or whatever it is. And uh, for me, that was completely new. Uh, that that was completely new. It wasn't something that I was uh, as comfortable with as the B2C. And I think that's part of the reason why I decided to uh, to make a shift. You know, I was just kind of, for your first question, how did I kind of end up exiting m and Well, it was like I had a one of the fastest growing businesses in, in Canada for the fitness side of things with Orange Theory B2C. And uh, there were certain times where, I mean, I almost felt excited to to leave work. I loved my job at m and Absolutely. It was fantastic. You know, I had great relationships there, built a great client base. I loved it. But this it is more a passion project. And, and it was me owning 100% of, of the company versus m and where there's partners. It's a bigger operation. Lots of people involved. We were over 120 employees, you know. So to put a foot in the door, I already had one, but it to me it wasn't enough. You know, I, I kind of I wanted to be more involved. I felt like I could do more. So um I just compared both. And and for me, it was almost like a heart decision. I, I was ready for a bit of a change and uh and then kind of made the the switch over to Orange Siri. <laughs> And that's great. And actually, what describe like in your mind, like what is the passion? Like I know you were talking earlier b- before the podcast we started recording about the two areas of your life that you really le- need to get to make a difference in with Orange Theory. Yeah, and and both of those is I feel like the obvious one with Orange Theory. I mean, Orange Theory were the fastest growing fitness brand in in the world. Uh, they're in thirty different countries, two thousand students around the world. I mean, they're hyper organized in in their operations and their education. There's this whole like Orange University part for uh, whether it's franchisees or or sales associates that work the front desk or coaches. You know, it's it's a nice, well oiled machine. It's quite impressive. And uh, at the end of the day, the results, they don't lie. You know, at, at the the workouts themselves, they, they kind of sell themselves. You do one, you love it. There's lots of going, uh, lots going on. It's a bit of a gamification of working out. So everybody's wearing a heart rate monitor. They're following their key heart rate zone during the whole workout. So it's good for every fitness level. And then you got a coach on the mic, the music blasting, good vibe. I mean, our location in Griffintown, it almost feels like a bit of a nightclub. I was there last week, you know, and uh, I was excited Thursday night, 7 p.m. class. And I, I was like, this this reminds me of my university clubbing days. You know? <laughs> so it's fun. I think the workout is tough, but you go at your own pace. You know, it gets people coming back, not only for the workout and the results, but the community, the vibe, uh, feeling a part of something, doing a bit more than just fitness. And uh, for me, that impact on on people, on members is obvious, you know. Um, but for me, what I, I enjoy a lot, and, and I say it to, to our team, and now we, we operate three studios, it's what I can give back to our young sales associates or our team, just in terms of education or sales from the background that I have at MH and corporate and, you know, with student works, obviously, as well. I find that those are the two areas that, that I really enjoy. One is like helping people be successful in their fitness journey. That's the obvious one. But also young salespeople, just developing that confidence, that, that, that go-getterness, you know, knock on doors, uh, make an impact, be loud and proud. 
uh, it doesn't come naturally to people. And if we can just build up their confidence on that side, to me, that's really, really uh, rewarding. Yeah. And Orange Theory was created by Ellen Latham, just an incredible entrepreneur, an incredible uh, person. I, I, I listened to a lengthy podcast with her just talking about her really lengthy, lengthy time before you know, I don't want to put this the wrong way, but did something super, super significant, obviously creating Orange Fury and having this business blow up is, is unbelievable. But she was largely involved in, in making a difference in, in health, kind of small groups at a time, small groups at a time. And then she founded a gym that was really, really working. And then she ended up bumping into some people who were fantastic franchisors, right? And, and people who had really, really been able to drive franchising. And so there's kind of two things. It's like, yes, we've got a cause. We've got a way of, of, of making fitness better. And then we've got a way of franchising really well. So first of all, why is Orange Theory better? What makes Orange Theory uh, work? You know, obviously the gamification you mentioned, the, the fun. What other things really make it so that people are really successful with it? Well, the easiest way of putting it is it's science-backed, okay, technology-tracked and coach-inspired workouts, okay? So it's different than any, whatever, any anything that people do currently. You know, uh, it's kind of your multivitamin. You get a bit of everything. You get the the strength training, the cardio. It's in a fun, dynamic atmosphere. It's very welcoming, all fitness levels. What sets us apart? The technology. We're leading uh, the the heart rate based interval training tracked by heart rate monitors. We're the leaders across the world in this. Um, there's nobody that does it better. So at your, at, you have a profile in Australia. It works in, when you come visit Montreal. There's every month, there's different benchmarks. There's different events that are, are done globally. So you have friends, um, you know, you live in Montreal, you have a friend in Ottawa, you could do the same workout. On a given day, it's the same workout across the world. You get a bit of this you know, I, I don't like the world, but almost like a bit of a cult following, you know, but for a reason. But at the end of the day, it's health and wellness, you know, so it's uh, there's nothing here that's that, that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, like we're not drugging anyone. So so it's a healthy cult. A lot of people have referred to student works as a cult, you know, like, gee, everyone's, you know, believing in this so much and excited so much, you know, so. So I think there's a good aspect of that feeling, that team, that unity that that exists. I, I get that. Hundred percent, yeah, 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 and um, you know, it, it all starts by by our teams. You know, I, I think the brand, and you, you spoke about Ellen Latham. I mean, she's an incredible motivator. Uh, she's been in fitness for, like you said, about 40, 45 years. She she had the workout that they. It, it all started with Ellen. It started in Fort Lauderdale. It's Ellen's ultimate workout. You know, and then uh, it, it was the the master franchiser was talking to his wife that would do the Ellen uh, ultimate workout. And she's like, ah, she, this this wife had done a bit of everything. And she's like, this is the one I swear by. This is one I have to go to. And, I, and he's like, my God, what's what's so exceptional about this? You know, and then it, it started there. It evolved. That was in 2010. You know, so anyways, been a rocky road, I, I would say, you know, with the pandemic. Hey, leaders. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we approach and surpass 300 episodes, well over 95% of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the Student Works Management Program. It has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, we will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, 
and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit Student Works and get sent to a landing page to apply. There is a bold Student Works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. You've been in a really strong franchising organization. We're stronger than we were now than when you were just in terms of the systemization, et cetera. What makes you such an excited franchisor? What things are they driving? What what value is Orange Theory driving to you so that you can drive it to your customers and staff? Yeah, I'm an excited franchisee. One, I think what's nice is because I, I at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. Now I just I'm involved in something that I care about, that I'm passionate about. It's a, it started as a passion project, a bit of a sideline, and it became my my core thing. What what got me into it fully was was the pandemic. Actually, uh, that's when the switch was made. My timing was horrendous <laughs> um, because I'm a very optimistic guy, and I kind of got in at uh, I, I made the jump over at the beginning in June 2020. So this was. Uh, this was three months into the pandemic, and I, I thought, you know, cake cases are going down, no problem. We're kind of out of this. And then we acquired a second location in Ottawa. So the Griffintown location we have built from scratch, you know, four walls, the concrete uh, ceiling and floor and built out the whole studio. Now, Ottawa had, had been an existing studio that had not been successful and that the owner just wanted to like it was the straw that uh, broke the camel's back uh the pandemic and he wanted out you know so we we kind of acquired at a at a very reasonable price there was an opportunity there and that's why i made the switch to orange jury full-time and then that's where i mean i'd love to talk about that uh, a bit more because i mean i'm sure a lot of people they bring on the podcast highly successful i think what i could share is that dark road you know of when things could go bad in business you know and and uh, I can speak openly about it because I'm, I'm proud of what we we did during that time. Uh, we survived, which is key. That's, uh, we, you know, we clawed our way out. We reinvented ourselves. We did things that, you know, what, what's nice about a franchise model is the scalability. To answer your first question here, I'm deviating a fair bit. But it's it's the scalability, that structure. You can, you're buying into something that's known. And then it, it's almost like, uh, it's not, it's parallel to real estate. You know, like you're, you can build something, you recreate, you know, you can work with one location, you hammer that in. And then you could work on the second, a third, a fourth. And then maybe, you know, there's some franchisees in the States that have 160 locations, you know. So so what's nice about Orange Sherry is they bring all the systems in place to, to manage your business uh, at a high level and be, uh, you know, uh, find all the metrics you need without being in the studio from a day-to-day -day basis. You know exactly what's going on, right? So that, to answer your first question, is 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 that that's the huge huge value for me because then it just becomes it becomes a scale, scalable business and something that that I'm enjoying but I'm happy to share more on 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 the journey I'm totally interested yeah I'm totally interested in because one of the things we we you know again I think one of the things we do and this is correct I think to do in societies we glorify the wins we focus on the wins but so often when you really talk to entrepreneurs and you really talk to leaders 
they go through these these dark days and the deserts and the challenges and the obviously your industry has been massively massively impacted you know can you think there're not that many industries that you think were more impacted and again in canada trying to run a fitness studio for 2 years like people couldn't come together so what was that like how was that you know how were you able to to just survive it was an absolute nightmare, to be honest. It's completely, I mean, I'm, I'm happy we're out of it now. I'm happy we're in Canada. We we did get a lot of support. I mean, we'll be paying for that support for many, many, many years to come. So that's unfortunate. And But there was uh, the openness of governments to help, which was different than the U.S. But, but you know, um, from one day to another, we went from being the busiest studio in Canada or the fastest growing, almost the busiest, um, because there were some that were open longer than us. But 22 months, not long. You know, when you start a new business, you give yourself like three to five years, whatever. We've been open 22 months, fast growing, you know, over 100% growth in one year. And then from one day to another, mandated to close down. You know, from a busy, busy studio where 250 people come to work out in a given day, zero, zero lights are off, not allowed to operate. So it was disgusting, you know, and uh, then, you know, to give you a shorter version of the long, 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 long story, I could go on for days. You know, it lasts about three, three years, this, this open, close, open, close, open, close, this yo-yo, unpredictability, retraining staff, we paid our landlords, everything that, you know, they didn't, they didn't miss out on a penny. You know, we, we accumulated some debt uh, that we're comfortable having today, but that's how we got through. And then uh, we kind of doubled and tripled down, basically. So during that three-year period, there were operators that, you know, maybe it wasn't uh, for them, it, it wasn't as much as a, a, a of a passion project they threw in the towel when we came in uh, and it was an opportunity for us to to pick up a second or a third studio at a fraction of the cost that it cost uh, that that it cost us to open the new one in a normal economical environment, right? So it's been a hell of a journey, but um, lots of resilience. We've got a fantastic team that believed. I think we just never really uh, threw in the towel. We we just tried to recreate ourselves. We we did online workouts. We did outdoor workouts when that was allowed. We did low intensity workouts when um, that was permitted. So there was always this willingness to just do the best we can with what we're allowed to do, and not get like too caught up in the negativity of of what's what's out of our control. And one day, we don't know when it'll be, but there'll be light at the end of the tunnel. And that's when we'll, we'll thrive. 100%. And just, and, and I think that's just such a great perspective for our leaders to hear is, is that, is that just so we're clear. So Mark's going backwards, you know, here's a young guy in his prime, ready to crush it, three years of standing still or going backwards. Okay. And that's really hard to see when there's other people he's seeing move ahead and move ahead. And he knows he would have been moving ahead, moving ahead and just accepting it because there is nothing else to do. All you're going to do is cause yourself pain, impact your, uh, you know, otherwise fantastic relationship with your wife and new kids and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's just accept it. And then what actions can we take? We can do online workouts. Yes, there's not as much money in that or outside workouts, but we are committed to this as a longstanding practice. And we're going to be on the other side of this, ready to 
to, to win when everything returns to normal. So things are, quote unquote, largely normal. It looks like we're not going to be impacted by the, this, this pandemic stuff, uh, you know, hopefully for a long, long time, a new pandemic strain or whatever. But with that, like how, how are the businesses compared to where they were? What are your thoughts? What's been happening in the fitness world? Yeah, the fitness world, I mean, it's a bit sad to see because at, at a high level, if I'm just looking at Canada and, and some stats, um, there's less people that work out today than pre-pandemic. You know, um, I think there's this movement of health consciousness, but in terms of the actual people that work out several times a week, pre-pandemic versus today, that number has decreased by about 20%, which is surprising. From my perspective, and this I'm, I'm just speaking from what I see in studio and talking with people, and you know, it takes a lot of. There's a lot of. Many people are not like me and you, Chris, where we we enjoy working out. It's always been a part of our lives. Like my mom is a personal trainer. I was seven years old. She brought me into gyms. Like I'm not a gym rat. Far from it. But I just enjoy working out, being healthy, living a healthy lifestyle. And and I mean, I, I'm relatively well, but I like to indulge as well. And but I, I want to stay somewhat fit, you know, and not develop that dad bod and gain weight. And I'm already losing my hair, which which gives away my age. But so if I could at least uh, control, you know, what's going on with the body, then, you know, but all jokes aside, um, I, I just enjoy it. But that's not the norm. There's a lot of people that, hey, I got chronic uh, disease. My doctor wants me to work out. My wife wants me to work out because the relationship is not, you know, I gained 50 pounds since we got married. And whatever the reason is, I don't feel comfortable with my skin. I, I, I can't go work out because I'm not I'm not fit enough. I, 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 there's no way I could do Orange Theory because, I, no, no, you guys are way too fit. I saw the ads. I saw you know, whatever is going through people's minds. It, it, there's so much going on. So it takes a lot of courage just to take that first step and embark and be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do my first workout. And then what, what's so nice to bring back to like one of your previous questions is like, we're so, our, our strategy is so different from your traditional gym where it's a community. We know everybody by name. We know everybody by objective, what they're here to gain, whether it's lose weight, work-life balance, uh, just a bit more cardio. Hey, they want to lower their medication for diabetes. Whatever the reason is, we know it. We don't have thousands of members. We have hundreds of members, you know, so it's it's a very niche type uh, setup and members pay a bit more for that, you know, but in terms of personal training, the price comparison is is not at all comparable. You, you could get a workout for 10 to $18 basically at our studios, uh, which is really, really affordable. I mean, for students even, uh, you know, if, if the listeners are our students, you know, our, our three locations, we have NDG in Montreal, Griffintown in, in Montreal, and then South Keys in, in Ottawa. I'm highly involved with all three. So any young leaders, I'd be happy to invite you in. Uh, meet Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll give you guys a free week if you hear this on the on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> or you know what? Make it two. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think the market is different. It takes a lot of courage to get into this. What I was talking about is to make the jump and make the move, whether it's with Orange Theory or yoga or CrossFit or just a traditional gym, that decision-making takes a long time. Sometimes people think about it. Time passes quick. They think about it for a week. They think about it for months. And eventually they do it. And then a friend, invi they invite their friend in. So I think this is what happened pre-pandemic, obviously. And then everything stops. And then when you, you start back up, well, it takes time. Like people are like, hey, maybe it's not safe enough. 
maybe I don't, the timing's not right. Now I have a kid. Now I have, oh no, now I'm more involved with work. Oh, I work from home. It's too far. It's all these excuses explode out. We hear them all, <laughs> all the time. But, but so it takes time to just rebuild, get into that consistency, make time for yourselves and have that, that, that fitness approach in your life or make space. It's only, we're only talking about two to four hours, five hours a week. It's not much, you know, but, but I, I feel like people, it, it, it's easier said than done. And, and I think that that's why we're seeing that, that shift. I, I do firmly believe that the market will come back to where it was and, and above it 100%. And I think our offering is, is uh, you know, at the right time in, in this type of market as well, you know, where you're more, in, in, you know, surrounded, handheld through the whole pro fitness process and can see results very quickly. Yeah. Well, I love, you know, one of the, I know Mark, Mark and I've talked a number of times, just, you know, connect and hear, hear what's going on. One of the real great things I love about Orange Theory is, is if, if their members aren't coming, they're calling. So Mark's team are calling and encouraging them back. Most organizations, not to name any, because they're doing their best too, but most organizations, it's like, wow, there's a huge group of members that don't come and they just keep getting money from them. And, and to me, though, that's called bad profits. You know, in our business, there were bad profits and we do our best to eliminate those bad profits. Just, just to speak directly to it, we used to have operators who do our program and not do very well. That's bad profits. Like we made money, they didn't do very well, wasn't a happy, harmonious situation. So one of the things we've done is we've moved our minimums or our, our performance targets higher. So people have to have $40,000 or $30,000 on the window cleaning side book before May, middle of May, or they can't do it because otherwise it's not going to win. So we've taken bad profits out. Orange Theory is saying, we don't want bad profits. We want happy customers. We want healthy customers. So I love that that's one strategy you have in your business, Mark. Yeah, it's it, it's great. It's very it was eye opening to me as well uh, because prior to joining Orange Cherry at M and H, we had a little gym that opened downstairs. I got in at a pre sale rate. It was like twenty five bucks a month. It was like a great great rate. I used it for the first like six months or so, and then it just kind of ah, didn't go. And you know, it went. My membership ended when my credit card expired, you know, and, 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 and no one called me, you know, because they're like, oh, shit, you know, if I call this guy, he might not even know that he paid for two years without even coming, you know, so so we have a completely different approach where if you join with us, we onboard you, we're connecting with you after seven days, uh, after a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, it takes three weeks to develop a habit. We'll get into even a body composition scan to give you a nice starting point. We'll rescan 60 days later. We're very results oriented. Like you're saying, you're making the parallel. I think it's great with the the, the lower um, target operators where, you know, it, it's never fun if it's not successful. If I have a member that's paying to come eight times a week, uh, sorry, eight times in the month, twice a week, I want to make sure he's coming that many times. You know, if, if anything, we're only proposing that to him because maybe he's just getting back into fitness or he has other things uh, on the side. But ideally, if someone has nothing uh, fitness oriented or nothing, uh, no fitness a commitment in their lives we're trying to we're trying to at least start at three times a week monday wednesday friday start with that build up to four that's where we're going to see prime results and at the end of the day that's what we're there for we want people to be successful in their fitness journey we want them to see results because they're gonna have a smile up to their ears after you see them two months later you know sometimes i'm not in the studio all the time 
but I see someone I haven't seen in two months. I'm like, holy, you know, holy crap. You, you look fantastic. Yeah, look, they've lost weight. They've got physical tone. And then also as well, one of the great things about physicality, we see this all the time in our business because our operators, many or, you know, really most are have that aspect of their lives and they're just seeing and it just makes everything in your life work better. I feel physically fit. I'm better at everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of, you know, you sleep better, you eat better. It's funny, you finish a workout, you don't, you won't want that poutine. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, As a, a true Montreal yeah. Canadian, you know, fan. There you so, go. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, well, I think it's it's really, really amazing. Again, what you've accomplished with your team, what what you've what you've gone through, uh, you know, just just again in the last four years, and and just and not surprising at all, you know, knowing you, just just how you'd handle these things. Anything else you'd like to share? Any other lessons that you'd like to share with our leaders before we end with our our final question? On my side, you know, maybe I have a, a tough time uh, giving up or throwing in the towel. This one, you know, I would just say is in business, there's, there's ups and downs, you know. So I think it's my hockey mentality where I just, you know, just grind it out. You know, sometimes you might be down 7-0 in a game and you, you got to finish the game, you know. So maybe get a goal or two and you'll feel better about yourself, you know. So so the message is is just, hey, don't give up. You know, don't throw in the towel when things get tough. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. I think that's that's the core message here is there's times where everything works. You know, you're going to sign a ton of members. You're going to knock on some doors. Everybody's going to say yes. There's other days where you get 50 no's, you know, and it, it's okay. It's a game of numbers. Just keep get putting the same energy. Um, have passion for what you do. Love what you do. And I mean, it sounds cliche, but it, it's so true. And success will follow, you know, that consistency, what makes a professional golfer better than you and I, I mean, many, many things, but there's these amateur golfers or pros at courses that, you know, if they played on the PGA, they, they'd look like, like clowns, but they could shoot the same score on their own, on their course or, but, but it, it's just what makes the difference. It, it's all those, those habits, everything, those little, little fine details that they're so great at. And if you can find that in your businesses, just those fine details, that passion, that excitement, it goes so far. It goes so far. And I think your hockey analogy is a good one because I know you would have played for many, many teams. And so some of those seasons, it's like, wow, this would have really, quote unquote, sucked. We're just not that good. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the year, you are good and you have a good run in the playoffs and who knows, maybe you win. And so just seeing what happens, why people are committed to the inputs, they keep putting in the time. And as business leaders, that's the biggest thing we can do. And that's, that's certainly the lessons, you know, of the pandemic for you is, is, Hey, here's where we are. We're on the other side of this business. We've got three amazing business opportunities to really grow into making a difference in the world. So Mark, thanks so much for coming back and joining us on the leaders of uh, tomorrow podcast. You know, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I mean, I'd be happy to meet some if, uh, if, <laughs> if you got some partner up with them. But I think a go get a go getter, you know, someone that's not uh, shy to take risks, that's uh, that wants to lead, inspire people, and that um, you know it doesn't come naturally to to a lot of people. But I think I think leadership is is so key. You know, if you can if you can move a room, you can move. Um, you can inspire people, um, whether it's two people or 2,000. 
that's how you can build an organization. That's um, that's something to work on. And and you could read about it, learn about it, practice it. It's not, you know, it's kind of like uh, public speaking, right? You could, you, you might be really shy at first, but you could uh, hammer in those skills, practice it. And <laughs> the hockey analogy is you might not be a goal scorer, but, you know, if you keep working on that shot, you might, you might get there one day, you know, so keep at it. And uh, leadership's uh, the, the key one that, that I'm noticing. Um, that yeah, that's what I'd have to say on that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming back and joining us. Uh, continued success and uh, keep crushing it at Orange Theory. Thanks so much, Chris. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.